Professor Jadi Prabhu and Mr. Navi Raju, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. You've been on a tour of, of India looking at R&D and, and firms there. What was your mission and what do you mean by affordable growth? Let's go to you first, Navi. Sure. The mission was to find out what are some interesting business models emerging out of India that allow uh, people there to uh, have access to solutions that are more affordable but also sustainable. And, and Jadeep, it was an exciting tour. Just tell us of, of what you saw and where you went. Very exciting. We went to a number of the major metros in India and we met a range of people from people from industry, multinationals and domestic entrepreneurs uh, working in small enterprises and academics as well. Tell us some of the towns and companies you visited, Navi. Sure. So we first started with uh, Chennai in southern India, uh, where I keynoted the inauguration of uh, Xerox, first ever lab in the developing world. Um, and then we went to Delhi, uh, where I moderated a panel discussion of the Asia Society, which hosted an event on uh, India as well. And then after that, we went to uh, Mumbai, where we met with a variety of uh, companies uh, in the domain of uh, finance and how financial inclusion is happening in India. Uh, and then we went to the uh, Bangalore, uh, where we met with several multinationals conducting very interesting R&D work and new business models uh, out of Bangalore as well. And then finally, we ended in uh, Hyderabad where we hosted a workshop on the topic of affordable and uh, sustainable innovation in partnership with the Indian School of Business. And Jadeep, you looked at the phenomenon of more for less for more. What is that? Well, the basic idea is uh, to rethink how you develop products and services to reach a large number of people who are financially constrained. So the idea is to develop products and services that offer more benefits at less cost for more people. That's what it stands for. And Navi, I know you were talking about the next generation business models. What do we mean by that term? Yeah, the next generation business models are led by companies like Xerox. For instance, in uh, Chennai, where we went, they are pioneering a whole new business model where they're trying actually to uh, open what they call an innovation hub, which is rather than doing R&D work all by themselves, they're trying actually to partner with the local universities and local startups, etc. And we also found very interesting business models led by local entrepreneurs, like one of them, which is called Evron, which offers online uh, learning services. And in this case, they use about 5,000 virtual classrooms all across India to reach out to a massive amount of students and in the process improving you know, primary education all across India. Were you impressed by any particular project that you saw on your great adventure? Yeah, there were two projects that uh, I can single out. Uh, one is led by a local company, uh, Tata Consultancy, uh, which has invented a very affordable uh, water purifier, uh, water filtration system, uh, which is destined for the masses. And again, that's an example of more for less for more that Jadip was talking about. And another one, which is PepsiCo. PepsiCo is embarking on this very massive transformation to become a very sustainable organization that promotes sustainability across all uh, communities they participate in. And they're using India as a base or kind of starting point for piloting this new business model. So we found some very interesting uh, kind of uh, wellness-related solutions they're piloting in India, which are going to be then promoted in other markets as well. Judy, what impressed you? And how do you think that those projects and the viability of them will impact on the West's ability to compete? 
Well, what's impressive about India is how large parts of the society uh, and different parts of society are now working together to deal with the problems that India faces. And these problems are really to do with scarcity on a grand scale. Large numbers of people are denied you know, access to basic products and services, whether on energy, education, sometimes food, um, and health care, and so forth. Um, so it's impressive that different sections of society, whether it's the government, large multinationals, or Indian companies, and social entrepreneurs particularly, are all working towards this objective. Now, what is potentially a challenge uh, for the world is if people are successful in India, they'll be successful potentially on a grand scale because these are large markets. If they're able to do that, reach these markets in India and develop these affordable solutions for India, nothing holds them back from then introducing them elsewhere, not just in the emerging world, but also in the developed world, where, again, people are constrained increasingly, resource constrained, whether it's financially or in terms of uh, energy and other resources. So solutions that are developed in India and are successful there could potentially be disruptive for the rest of the world. And, and is that why you're calling it Navi reverse innovation? The, the fact that you know, we, can't, well, we can't take as long to, to go about our R&D processes. We have to streamline them. We have to be, be quicker to enable us to compete. Yes, absolutely. Actually, we call it uh, polycentric innovation, which is essentially the idea that uh, multinationals have to realize that some of the best inspiration for next generation products and business models is going to come increasingly from emerging markets, which, as Jadi points out, deals a lot with scarcity. And therefore, they need to have the ability to immediately source these next generation ideas from emerging markets like India and then scale them up globally. And that's where we see companies like PepsiCo, uh, IBM, uh, Cisco, General Electric, etc., essentially practicing what they call polycentric innovation, which is taking ideas from one place like India and then scale them up for world, worldwide usage. But, but, but there's a difference, isn't there, in, in the process in the West? The process in the West is time-consuming. It's expensive. We're going to have to scratch our heads and look about how we go about this again. Absolutely. I think that's why I think uh, what India teaches is not just about you know, how to come up with new products or services, but how you think about innovating. So the whole innovation mindset is something that uh, based on frugality, for example, and using fewer resources to achieve more. So this whole idea of more for less for more, which is a whole way of innovating using scant resources, I think that mindset needs to be something that uh, has to be adopted in the West as well. So I think the West is up for a rude awakening about changing in the mindset. And if they can do that by embracing some of the best practices from India, I think they can do that in a much smoother fashion as opposed to having to learn it the hard way. But, but Jadeep, wouldn't people say that, well, in China, for instance, they steal the ideas of, of the West. They take our innovation and, and, you know, nippily sort of put them to markets first and, and really do us down. I mean, will the West be able to compete with India and China? Yeah, I think certainly the West will be able to compete with India and China. Um, it's true that sometimes innovations are reverse engineered in these countries and therefore the intellectual property that has been invested in in the West is, is potentially leaks out to other comp competing nations and players. But I think the big challenge here is to solve global problems. It's not just to solve and to see this as a local issue. It's solving global problems, global problems increasingly of scarcity. And if it means 
reverse engineering or cutting costs and maybe even rethinking our views about intellectual property protection to solve that problem, then that's what we should be doing as a globe, not just seeing this as a piecemeal kind of thing with, with countries competing against each other. And Navi, how at the... Uh Centre for India and Global Business, are you going to take this two-week tour forward? I mean, the phenomenon of inclusive growth, affordable innovation, is it something you're going to be championing here? Yes, absolutely. Um, We are going to do that in many uh, ways. Uh, Jadeep and I are planning to write a series of op-eds in different newspapers and magazines to share what we learned from India and uh, synthesize our insights there. Uh, We also are going to showcase some of the innovations we have seen in India on uh, innovations.net, which is a dedicated website we have set up to uh, showcase uh, emerging market innovations. We also are going to write about it in our blog on Harvard Business Review. Uh, And finally, we are planning also to present uh, these best practices to students, MBA students and MPhil students, uh, here at Judge, because we plan to develop some case studies on these interesting best practices that they can uh, read and learn about as well. Interestingly, I just want to note that there's going to be a group of MBA students, interesting, we are going to India this year to meet with a variety of entrepreneurs in India. And interestingly, they picked India over Silicon Valley because they felt that India is bursting more with entrepreneurial energy than Silicon Valley at this point. Now, Jadeep, I, I know that at the Center for India and Global Business, it's the fact that, that you apply your knowledge practically. You've gone on this two-week tour. How special do you think it makes the centre that you have one foot in Cambridge and one foot actually in India too and those emerging markets? I think that's at the heart of what our centre stands for. We thought long and hard about what to call it and we ended up calling it the Centre for India and Global Business to reflect the fact that we, we have one foot in India and one foot in the global business. So we see ourselves as somewhat being somewhat uniquely placed to bring the two together, bring some of the interesting challenges and solutions coming out of India with challenges and solutions that the rest of the world faces. Now, I, I don't know if you can think on your feet, but a quick tip for businesses in the West who want to compete in those Indian markets, given what you saw on your two-week tour. I think they have to learn to unlearn first before they can learn the Indian way of doing innovation. So the first challenge, I would say the first tip is forget about everything you know about you know, how to do innovation and how to do business because those practices won't make you, you know, successful in India. So the very first challenge is unlearn first everything you know before you get ready to learn new tricks in India. And Shadeep, your tip? I would say take the market very seriously and not just the market that you're used to, which is the markets in the cities and so on. Take the rural markets, take the markets in the second level and third level cities very seriously and really get close to customers, to their context, the societies in which they operate. Uh, Professor Jadip Prabhu and Mr. Navi Raju, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today on More for Less for More and your two-week tour of India. I've enjoyed it. Thank you much. Thanks, Vani.